I want to say you're wrong. But you also know I'm right. <laughs> and on that note, folks, it's time for another episode of Not Another Film Podcast. Uh, oh, yeah. This is the podcast where we're taking movies we used to love as kids and we're re-examining them in the harsh, sobering, post-9-11 filled light of 2019. <laughs> because, folks, we're doing another 2001 pre-9-11 movie. Completely Two- accidentally. It seems like this is a theme of the month. Yeah. Yeah. Although this one, I think, is a little bit... Uh, dare I say, a little bit smarter than clock stoppers. Whoa, I starting mean, off the, with the hottest wow, takes. The yeah. bar is so high. <laughs> <laughs> yes, folks, today we're talking about 2001's Josie and the Pussycats. Josie whoa, and the Pussycats. Whoa, whoa. Josie More intellectual and the... than clock stoppers. Put that on the poster. Um, this is crazy to me for many reasons. I'll start this off with, with just kind of this general question. Because kind of like we're living very much in the age of reboots and movie adaptations of old television shows from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, like this age of nostalgia that it's like we're bringing it back so that we can get uh, older generations in the movie theaters and younger generations in the movie theaters because they recognize their favorite stars in their parents' favorite properties kind of a thing. It's all giant plenty of money. But Ian, they're just playing Fortnite all the time. Oh, you're right, man. Dab. But <laughs> the <laughs> But what I, I guess my question is Hey listeners, Ian didn't dab. I didn't he dab. He just said dab. But I fucking did. Here, now I'll dab. Eric dabbed Ready? without saying dab. Ready? Dab. It happened again! You fucking liar! I think I am dabbing. No. Is it? Dabbing is just saying dab? I don't I don't ship you here. I think I'm dabbing the way that I, I am become dab, destroyer of worlds. <laughs> Thanks, I hate this. <laughs> look on my creation, ye gods, and tremble. Um so so yes, so I the question would be this feels like a movie that is out way ahead of its time. And yeah. I'll put this out there now before we play the box office game. This movie was a huge financial flop. Oh yeah. Um it is like famous for it is a famous flop. A flop. Um but I feel like if this movie came out like a year or two ago, it would have done pretty well. Yeah. Did they advertise this well? I don't remember. I feel like that's my big question. Uh, you know what they say about 2001, guys? Mm-hmm. I forgot. Yeah, I feel this like 2001 I did. advertising with female-driven movies were like, fuck you, women will come to it anyway. Yeah, or they're like, you know, we've got, we've got so much product placement and MTV bullshit that will get everybody from TRL to come, like, see this movie. But then... Yeah. Everybody at TRL is a bunch of cardboard cutouts anyway, yeah, so they're I, not going to be able to pay for a ticket. Was this an MTV I, film? No. Oh, like, see, that's I what it should have been. I just have a feeling in my stomach that they were just like, oh, it's for girls. Fucking bury it, you know? Probably. Ooh. Real quick, we should introduce ourselves. That's true. Guys, <laughs> it's me, Ian Gears, one of your co-hosts. I'm also here with Lauren Thompson. Lauren, how are you? I'm doing good. Heck yeah. I always sound fake when I say I'm doing well. It just feels like a weird thing to be asked how you're doing when you've already been asked how you're doing today. <laughs> Lauren, I told you to not discuss the notes that I give you in private about your performance on the podcast I um, on the I, I, Now I'm at the point where I'm overthinking the notes and now it's getting worse. Right, so every time that you, you ask me how I'm notes. doing... I just progressively sound more like I'm being held hostage when you're asking me how my day is going. That's fine. Don't forget to meet with me after we finish recording so I can give you a couple um. Please don't ideas. fire me. 
No, it's from fine. this unpaid job. Yeah, uh, for now. We also have uh, Mr. Eric Eilerson. How are you doing today? I've been up for 15 minutes. <laughs> Guys, it's another bright early Sunday morning recording session. You can hear it in our voices. Drinking this tea. Drinking this you coffee. You can hear it in this beautiful low voice that I have. The we are kind of doing this NPR thing. My voice will ever go. So, Josie and the Pussycats, let's talk about it. <laughs> whoa, whoa, <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats. Um, all right, I'll ask this. So Eric's been making that joke for 12 straight hours. So we, we've discussed... And it is great. We've it's not di- stopping. We've discussed the fact this movie would have been a uh, giant $300 million financial success if it had come out last year. Um, but uh, in 2001, people still didn't care about women, so nobody wanted to go see this movie. <laughs> but when did you first become aware slash see this movie? Did you know about this movie before we watched it? Because I know for both of you... It was a fairly recent time when you watched this film. Um, Eric, I'll go to you first. Um, I knew this movie existed, like, as much as you kind of know movies exist around the time that you're a human, like, I probably heard about a commercial for it. Um, The only time I ever witnessed it was, it was on in the background in a room I was hooking up with a girl in, and I was kind of drunk, and I'm like, oh, that's a movie. And that's about the extent of it. So this did come out in 2001. You were 10 when this happened? Uh, no. Luckily, this was a retro viewing for that person because I'm not an illegal predator victim. Good for you. Uh, you. I just wanted you to be able to clear yourself on air. Uh, Oh, God. (laughs) I really should have been awake more before telling that story. Um, (laughs) Lauren, when was the first... Definitely was better when you told it last night. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, you talked about fireworks and everything last night. It was amazing. There was a grand escape. I felt like a plastic bag. You evaded the law. Uh, (laughs) What what about you? When was the first time you heard of slash saw Josie and the Pacific? Cats. Um, well, keeping with my usual trend on this show, I saw it for the first time last night. Hell yeah. When we watched it. Hell um, yeah. It was one of those movies that um, my only exposure to it was the poster for pretty much my entire life. and for my So much entire, midriff. I think for my entire life, it um, it felt like a fake movie. <clears throat> like, I had never seen any footage from it. And I was just like, I, I'm not quite sure this movie exists. Um, sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced. Um, and I had a lot of internal misogyny that probably led me to believe that this movie was going to be garbage. And, uh, I'm examining that right now. There we go. Can I just say that I think, you know how certain painters go through like their blue period? That was specifically like that? Picasso, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. he's the painter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we on this podcast are going through our midriff period. <laughs> the early 2000s. <laughs> Every movie has so much midriff and I'm remembering a lot about what formed me mm-hmm. as a young man mm-hmm. and I'm here for it. I would like to say, um, for the record, I enjoy that midriffs as a style have moved upward on the body. Yes. trend mm-hmm. um, that they are it's no longer showing the midriff right above your crotch but it is now showing like middle midriff which is just better for everyone mid midriff yeah yeah mid midriff i mean i know mid-torso that torso drift mid midriff sounds like a pokemon mid midriff yeah. well mid midriff is the evolution of midriff was <laughs> <laughs> a frog pokemon no um, I, I also just want to say um because uh, i already opened that can of worms um I think that the prime time in my life when I could have used this movie, um, I, like my, you know, early teens, um, I think that I definitely fell victim to the, um, oh, I can't like girly movies like this. Mm-hmm. I think that there was a huge trend right now of, of women being like, 
oh, that's for girls. I'm a cool girl. Like, I'm, like, I went through that tomboy phase where I was mm. like, oh, I don't like, and I would like movies with girl power, but it was only, like, you were only allowed to like movies where it's, like, a girl being a football player or, like, a quirky girl. You couldn't really like movies where girls were openly feminine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that was, that was potentially a huge thing, that, like, this wasn't a cultural moment where, like, I felt like that was allowed for me to enjoy. Um, but it also is a huge fucking, uh, like, universal joke that I didn't see this movie at that time because I would have fucking loved it. Um, Dude, like, like same, though. Like, same. I, I needed this movie in my life, and I'm really sad that, like, little 13-year-old Lauren didn't get that chance because uh, I quite enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I, I saw this. My sister saw this movie. She, I remember she saw it in theaters and, like, rented it all over the place. And I, your sister's a vocalist. Well, she's she is a vocalist um, because my sister's a vocalist, and then I saw it when it was out on DVD, um, and was was in that same mindset of like this is a movie for girls. I'm not allowed to like this movie. Yeah, and there like what a fucking cosmic joke that like movies for girls weren't even allowed to be enjoyed by girls. Well, and there are some movies that that I had felt that way with, and then I secretly liked like Bring It On. I secretly really liked um, mm-hmm. like Legally Blonde. I remember seeing it and being like, I can't let my parents know that I really liked this movie. That I thought yeah. it was really funny and smart. Um, but then there were some that, like, admittedly, and I know I'm going to get a bunch of shit on air, but I'll, I'll, you know, show the other side of it, where I was, like, going to see things like Princess Diaries and admittedly being, like, not for me. But, you know, I think, like, the movie it's that I... God, you're so wrong. Sure, sure. I'm happy to re-examine it on this podcast. Oh, we can. It's a bona fide classic. The one... the See, and that's the, the movie... The, the quote-unquote women's film that really shifted that perspective for me where I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I like this movie and I'm going to go on record saying I like this movie was Devil Wears Prada. That oh, movie, I was yeah. legit like, I love this movie. It is very fun. And Meryl Streep's crushing it. Yeah. Dude, that was a huge thing for me, too, because growing up in, like... Mostly going to high school in a very small, hardcore, conservative town in Michigan, I was like, I can't do these movies or else I'm gay. And yeah. I was like, I don't want to think that I have feelings. So, like, I'll see Transformers 2 and I'll be like, Rah! which I did. Because um, that's the way you can outlet your feelings. Exactly. But now I'm like looking back and we were talking last night. I've missed things like the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, which I probably really would have loved. Great movie. Which um, we plan on watching very soon. Yeah. Not for this podcast, Bonafide Classic. Um, right. Like Bring It On, I still yeah. haven't seen that. Like it's a lot of those movies that I, I now go back like that I freaking love. Like 10 Things I Hate About You is one of my favorite movies of oh, all time. Oh, it's fucking yeah. amazing. Um, and it's like, and nowadays, like, when the Netflix rom-coms come up, like, to all the boys I've loved before and always be my maybe, like, I, those are the ones that I love watching by myself if no one's around. Yeah. And even if someone's around, I'll watch it with them, but, like, they're important enough to me now that I will seek out the rom-coms because I love that genre. I wonder, though, and, and I, I do want to throw this over to our resident women expert, Lauren, as the one woman on this podcast right now. Thank you. Um... That it's that it is so funny though because I I too had that misconception for years that it's like oh a woman's movie is a romantic comedy Ooh, instead of like oh like you know like Atomic Blonde or something like that where it's like mm-hmm. it's an action movie mm-hmm. that features like a female lead or mm-hmm. um, you know like the you could even argue like something like Silence of the Lambs is like you know it's a female led investigative thriller yeah and so it's like there but there is that misconception of like for women's movies they're romantic comedies and this movie i think is interesting and this is the, the leading up to the question to throw to you side question is silence of the lambs not a rom-com 
I mean, depends. Depends how it's cut. Yeah, man. Depends on what you like to eat. Um, oh. But... I mean, cannibals deserve representation, too. Yes. We all want to thank Hannibal Lecter, one of the biggest models of representation. Do we? For cannibalism? Um, but that, Thanks, bro. That sounds like a joke a baby boomer would make now in order to excuse themselves from not voting for Trump. Yeah. But <gasps> the, I, I would argue the romantic shit in this movie is the shit that doesn't work. And it's like the one, it's the bit that it's like, this is a, like, this is our shoe in. This is our studio note. Um, and it's, and it is so like, and in a movie that's like 83 minutes long, it's like, guys, we're three minutes over We right don't now. have time for this. We <laughs> don't have time half, for Alan It was halfway, I'm sure, a studio note because you needed to have a romance in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it was also, I'm sure that's a character from the comics. Yes, he And is. as was like... <sighs> explicitly said by another character in the movie. And one of the some best jokes in the movie. Some characters are just in the movie because they were in the comics. Yes. Um, and I feel like it was half and half on that regard, but it is it is a very weak part of the movie. The, the movie doesn't have time for it. The movie has so much happening. Yes. Um, and there's, there's so many like, more le- interesting things happening. There's legit so much happening and in this movie. Is, that dude is a wet paper bag. Yeah. Um, just... He's a paper cup of non-fat lake. vanilla yogurt. He's being He's pecked by ducks in the lake. And like, he is the one person that, like, I I also learned, as you were saying, I also love this movie, having seen it really for the first time last night. Um, and since we're in our midriff period, I am finding myself, oh my god, these people were really attractive back then, I still have this kind of type, but I'm doubling down on the fact that I didn't understand male attraction in the early 2000s, because every guy, like, love interest in these movies is just, like, slightly wet and so painfully average-looking. Just, yeah, yeah, like, Like, tall, skinny, sandals and jeans. Despite the fact that it probably causes a whole other host of body image issues, I think we've gotten really good picking our hot guys in modern cinema. Yeah. Like, we're getting better. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm so split on it. Because part of me is like, yeah, women do also like dudes who are just, like, Sometimes they're just like lanky and okay looking. Oh, thank God! And uh, I know it's <laughs> good for both of us. They're just like really great personalities. Um, but he also didn't have a great personality. You're telling me there's a market for okay looking guys? Yeah, but also part of me is looks at this movie like I was that picture of like Beyonce and Ed Sheeran doing that performance together where she's yeah. in like a full gown with like makeup on and he's in like jeans and a ratty t-shirt and it's like those are the different expectations like the fact that he gets to just walk on to set basically without having washed his hair and that like every one of the pussycats it seems to have to bathe in glitter yeah uh seems a little ridiculous yeah but ed sheeran wrote a dragon so that makes him cool but uh glitter bath (coughs) glitter bath does sound like a band that would open for josie and the pussycats i'd be in a band called glitter bath all right band called glitter bath i'm into it that's our band we're the rivals of the (laughs) of the pussycats boom Um, Um, i feel like we're the bad guys now because you are men Um, well this is true yeah but in this movie the bad guy's a lady so yeah and she is great she's great um okay so let's i just pussy's a fucking star i want to dive in um yeah, I, I'm I'm so happy that we watched this movie last night. So, uh, first of all, I just want to point out these are the titles this movie was released alongside. Let's just do the let's get the budget game out of the way. What do you oh, guys fuck. guess the budget of this film oh, was? Oh God! In 2001, a studio comedy in 2001, a musical studio comedy with relatively unknown stars. Twelve million dollars. Twelve million dollars. 
Ian, how much did Iron Man cost? Iron Man cost $140 million in 2008, Lauren. Happy you asked. Okay, okay. I always have that to. should be our t-shirt. Our first t-shirt is <laughs> just how much Iron Man cost. How much did Iron Man make? Uh, or how much how did much Iron Man did cost? How much did it make? Uh, how much did Iron Man cost? Um... I'm uh, $25 million. $25 million. Is that a lot? It's $25 million a lot of money. More money than I'll ever see. Is that um, a lot? I, uh, I regret to inform you both that uh, Lauren is closer. This Huzzah? movie cost $39 million. Oh, no. That is way too high That's for this movie. so expensive. That is so much more expensive than this movie needed to be. And that is part of the problem as to why it flopped. Because do you want to know what the grand total worldwide haul of this movie was? 15 million? 15 is that, million? Is that not a lot? It's less than 25. 21 million? 21 million. Lauren crushing it. 14 million. Damn. Oh my god. This movie... This movie was a fucking flop. God, I think the last uh, Endgame trailer made more than that on the YouTube ads. Endgame getting re-released this week will make more money than that in one day. That's crazy. And these are the and this is the thing because I was like in my head I said well maybe it's just because it came out along with like a bunch of other really big movies on the weekend it was released. These were the movies that came out on April eleventh two thousand one when Josie and the Pussycats came out. Okay. Besides Josie and the Pussycats, you had uh, Pokemon three the movie. You had Blow, starring Johnny Depp. Blow! Uh, you had Joe Dirt, starring David Spade. Was that a weird monetary success, or is that just a cult film? Joe Dirt? Yeah. I think it maybe made its money back. Okay. Uh, Kingdom Come, LL Cool J movie. And fucking Bridget Jones's Diary. Oh, yep, yep. So, there it is. so that's, where the mo- that's where the money went. Lady movie, we already got one. We, already, we got the adult lady movie and then the kids lady movie. No, they got... Same they got, weekend. They got is Dark this a kids Phoenixed. movie? They got Dark Phoenixed by, uh, by their endgame. Yeah, I, their endgame. The endgame to Josie the Pussycats is Bridget Jones's Diary. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'd still take Bridget Jones in that equation. Yeah. Bridget Jones is a great movie. I haven't seen it. I would say I one, one of the potential issues with marketing this movie is, is it a kid's movie or is it a, is it a movie for adults? That's the, Yeah, because this movie did the thing that uh, that Scoobert Dude did not do, which is it goes the full PG-13. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think also we, you mentioned this, and we'll, we'll probably bring this up a couple times, um, is that this movie is smarter than it has a right to be because there's there's a point where if I'm seeing the poster for this movie and I'm like, oh yeah, it's an Archie comic, oh, those people are wearing like animal ears, it might be a younger movie, but then you see it and it's actually literally an entire movie about satire, about capitalism, yeah. and there's also a lot of jokes that are so quick that you might miss them, but yeah. they're actually very smart. Yeah. So I I think that if kids went and saw this, they're not really going to go see it again in theaters because it... They would lo- they got lost on a lot of it, and a lot of the intended audience, like us now, mm-hmm. as we're seeing, we're gonna go see it because we were seeing Bridget Jones. Yeah, that's so true. And like, and the and the boys were seeing Joe Dirt because we thought that's what we were supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. I remember seeing Joe Dirt in theaters, unfortunately. Um, this yes, but I completely agree. This movie has a lot more on its mind than it has any right to be, and a lot more on its mind than like I feel like Scooby Doo tried to do a very similar thing, where it's like we're gonna actually use this to talk about like. Brainwashing yeah. and, and you know subliminal messaging and stuff like that. It's a very similar movie. I just think this does it to a greater comedic effect and yes. to uh, like it's just like on the whole. I think everything about this movie is better. But I mean, they put an Alan Cumming. They put an Alan Cumming and a killer 
fucking soundtrack. Killer soundtrack. Oh my god, guys, the soundtrack yeah. to this movie made of mostly original songs fucking bops. Okay, so let's get into it. This movie was written and directed by the writing and directing team of Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elf <clears throat> Harry Elfont, excuse me. Uh, Harry the Elf. Harry the Elf. They uh, were the writers on movies such as uh, Leap Year, Maid of Honor, The Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas. I saw that in theaters. A very Brady sequel. Oh boy. And they wrote and directed one of my favorite 90s movies, Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, which we will definitely be doing on this podcast at some point. So they have a background in kind of in teen films yeah. and, and doing things and, you know, from doing the Flintstones, from taking pre-established property and trying to do something interesting with it, even though I'm, I can't remember <laughs> anything interesting about Viva Rock Vegas. Except for the song, Viva Rock Vegas. Well, and Alan Cummings in that as well. As Mar- uh, not as Marvin the Martian, as the Great Kazoo. Wow. If you can get Alan Cumming in your movie, he should be in your movie. I think that's... He makes every movie better. That's a statement that I can make. Um, and he'll be in a lot of them. Like, yeah. <laughs> he'll do He'll do a lot he'll of shit. It. He just did an episode of Doctor Who this past season, like, for funsies. And it was madness. It's at that point in his career where he's just like, fuck it, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. He's like, I've won so many fucking awards. You yeah. get, get away from me. He doesn't care. I did say last night that I really want something where David Tennant and uh, Alan Cumming play brothers, because that would be fucking great. Oh, it'd be awesome. Um, all right, so let's get into it. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats was originally created as part of the Archie comic books series in the 50s. Uh, they were a band in Riverdale where Archie and Jughead and Betty and Veronica and all of those ilk reside. Uh, and they eventually got their own cartoon show in the 70s, Hanna-Barbera cartoon show. It only ran for two years, which is a lot shorter than I thought yeah, it ran wow. for. Um, but that's where, you know, we got our Josie and the Pussycats song. That has since been updated into a 2001 pop punk fucking rock so anthem. Good. This movie is it's it's like Scooby Doo by way of Green Day, which is probably why I love it the music so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stars as Josie Rachel Lee Cook from She's All That fame. So uh, pretty. So she's, pretty. So she's she's, she's beautiful. In this she's movie. it. it I, She's gorgeous. Words don't work. She's ethereally beautiful. There it is. Thank you. I wondered why, like, the whole time I was like, why, why was your, was your career not like the biggest thing in the world? Yeah. Um, And unfortunately it was just because she kept getting cast in movies that would like, honestly, like good ideas for films and like good ideas to like do that, but they flopped. Yeah. And so now she's doing, she she was in, uh, she's all that. She's been in, um, uh, this movie called Eleven Fourteen, and uh, yeah. she was in the Midsummer Night's Dream that came out a couple of years ago that had like Franz Kaufman. And yeah, a couple I mean, of the, I think and, she's uh, really good when deployed well. I think that she just maybe just doesn't have a ton of range. Sure. I think I've seen yeah. her in like four things, and I feel like she's always kind of doing the same sort of thing. Even in this movie, she's really she's really good, but I don't think that she does a huge range of emotion. I think she does. She sells into that mid range like. Big eyes, very earnest yeah. thing. But then she, she does that nice twist though when she's being brainwashed with the album. Yeah. When she, like, oh, she's them great. Off. And it's kind of like a real like subtle evilness yeah. that could have made her like a Rachel McAdams Mean Girls type. Yeah. yeah, I think she's really just kind of settled in. Like she she settled in unfortunately to just like playing the sweet girlfriend in rom coms. Yeah, yeah. Um, she did a little arc on uh, the show Psych. 
where she played one of the oh, romantic interests for about a season, where she kind of just settled into like, I'm playing the like long suffering girlfriend that kind of challenges some him sometimes, but then like ends up getting dumped for the you know police officer woman. Gotcha. No, this is this is my like standard when I think of Rachel Lee Cook. I think of this movie. Yeah. I will I think always think of her as Josie. Yeah. Um, I think fun fact. I seem to remember Stephanie Meyer saying she, that Rachel Lee Cook is who she wanted to play Bella. In, in the Twilight, Twilight Ooh, yeah. I mean, sounds great. That would have been great. Yeah, that's like um, how, apparently that is how she pictured. Her. Oh wait, no, it was was it Bella or was she wanted her to play Alice or something? She wanted her in the Twilight. Ooh, Twilight. Alice makes more sense. Yeah, who is that? Also, the Anna Kendrick character? No, no, the vampire with the, the short hair. literally almost the Josie hair. Yeah, I don't remember. She these wanted movies. her to look like, very like elf like, and she um, already looks elf like. Yeah, she looks like she is like legit an elf that wandered in from. She looks like a beautiful. Oh man, elf. in two thousand one, she was in the wrong elf movie. That's <laughs> so <laughs> true. Yeah. You missed out, Josie. Fuck! You're in the, Lothlorien, you had the wrong years. Uh, <laughs> this movie also stars as Melody, the drummer, Tara Reid of American Pie fame. Tara Reid is having a fucking moment in the early 2000s. This yep. shit is insane. Also, Bunny Lebowski, guys, from, from the Big Lebowski, All if anybody right. hasn't seen it. Um, I am torn on how I feel about her character. Um, uh, same, same. Um, but she, you know what? She jumps into it with, with a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, we also have... Just the queen, Rosario Dawson. Bow down, Bow down, mortals. And again, much like all of our conversations we've had about um, about Not Another Film Podcast alum Zoe Saldana, Rosario Dawson doesn't seem to have aged in the past 20 years. It's she concerning. looks exactly the same. She's gorgeous. She's, she has gotten more beautiful over time. I agree, yeah. She looks great in the movie. She She's gotten better. more beautiful as time has gone on. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy because you do watch this, and because we, we've seen her now, mm-hmm. you think that... She's way too old to be in this movie, but she's actually the same age as them. Yeah. Yeah, she's younger than Rachel Lee Cook. Yeah. That's insane, because she looks like she looks like she does now. She was 22 when she made this movie. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the type of role that, like, Zoe Saldana, I feel like, cornered around this time. And yeah. this is, like, the one that Zoe Saldana, like, couldn't make it to. Because she's like, I have too many other movies where I'm doing basically the same thing. Yeah. But no, she's she crushes it. She's Love fantastic. Awesome. She's so good. So those are our team. That's our those are our pussycats. Yeah. Yeah. They play uh, a lot of bowling alley gigs in Riverdale. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's go through their personalities. So Josie, Josie, the leader. Rosaria Dawson is Val, the best friend. The best friend. The supportive best friend who what feels other... a little bit like she's shunted in the she yeah. she has not getting the credit she deserves. She's and a bass player. She's a yeah. She's, she's a, a bass as a human. Yes. And also, and I am all about the best. And also, like Alan Cumming is basically pushing her out of the group. It's he's like, gaslighting her the entire yeah, movie. Yeah, I feel like the, the, yeah. the movie is attempting to make it seem like it's it's just because she is uh, the one that could kind of smell out what's happening because she's like the smart one in the group. She's yeah. like the Velma, but it ends up looking just like like look like. Alan we don't Cumming like super racist. We don't like the one person yeah. of color in this. Movie. Also, they do make a bunch of jokes about. About that fact, about like it, he call, I, like where Alan Cumming is basically racist in this movie, where he has like the line about like where he's trying to sell them, where he's oh, like yeah, it's salt it's and pepper with like, or no, it's TLC, TLC, TLC with two white with, members, like, two white people. <laughs> also, real quick on our Alan Cumming thing, I I was so curious when you guys mentioned Alan Cumming and David Tennant, I googled to see if that was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Alan Cumming turned down the role of Doctor Who twice? Really, Rusty Davies era offered it to him. Like, straight up offered, and he said, yes, I live in London, that's great. And he says, no, you got to be in Cardiff for eight months of the year. And he said, I'm not going to do that. That's fair. And then Mark Gaddis approached him, I think, before Capaldi took over, and they said, okay, again, do you want to be the doctor? And he's like, 
I'm still not living in Cardiff. That's still would have been too similar like, to Matt Smith. Yeah, well, he yeah. would have been too similar to Tennant. But but like to launch the Davies era if it had been for the Eccleston, that would have been fascinating that if like great. that was the precedent you set as Alan Cumming. But I think then we wouldn't have gotten David Tennant. We wouldn't have. Which like I can't I can't, I can't wish for the alternate universe where David Tennant did not play Doctor Who. Like, exactly. It's like Tony in Endgame. It's like listen, I know we want to go back and change things, but I can't give up what I have. Like I, I as much as I would love to see Alan Cumming play the Doctor, I can't I, I can't do it. No. I can't gi- I cannot give up. My love for David Tennant. I want him to be the master now. Oh, he'd be great. And I'll say, you know what? Be Cardiff for eight months. Yeah. Be Cardiff like two months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- that those are our personalities. Josie is like she's well, not. No, a- we did not get to the. Well, well, no, well um, yeah, Josie. Okay. Josie did not is like you know not like a megalomaniacal like no. leader. She oh, just yeah. is kind of someone who, who like literally leadership is thrust upon her no, when they get the famous. She's, she's actually a great friend. Like she's, she always yeah. purposefully. Except for when she's brainwashed. She not loves montages. She loves you know. Spraying mm-hmm. people with with water that seems to happen constantly in this movie. Yep, um, she loves um, making pacts about how they're not gonna forget each other when they get famous. Yeah, they, friends she, first. She friends loves first. taking uh, um, bus bus ID photos with her two best friends. Yep, and if if her two friends are pushed into a car and it's threatened that they're gonna get blown up and their deaths will be broadcast live through the world, she's gonna put on a show so that they don't get blown up. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing at the end of this movie. They <laughs> almost murder them. But then. Multiple times. Yeah, and so she's concerned with that. Val is concerned with the fact that the band is no longer going to be equal because they're now Josie in the Pussycats. And Melody, played by Tara (coughs) Reid, is uh, borderline certifiable. So, like... like, She is, I believe I've said this before in the podcast, she's a light in the piazza situation. Yes, Um, and please explain for anybody who doesn't know what happens in light of the piazza because I I just love hearing um, it. It's revealed that a girl... uh, This is horrible. I don't know why this is a joke. Um... (laughs) <laughs> she uh she got kicked in the head by a horse when she was a kid, and now she never mentally develops past a certain age. Um, it's a beautiful musical. It's a beautiful show. Um, I stand by it. Um, but it is a light in the piazza situation. Wait, was there was there a single horse and both Melody and Karen from Mean Girls were hanging around it, and it got a double yeah. kick? Oh yeah. my god! It was, it was the same uh, tragic horse accident. Whoa, um, wait, that's a great call. Is Karen from Mean Girls the younger cousin of Melody? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Absolutely. <gasps> yeah. Oh, I love she's that. Be, she's she like, is legit. It's already raining. And like, I bet she sings the clap your hands song. Well, and she, they both clap their hands. And you both know what clap your hands. Oh, Amanda Seyfried, Amanda Seyfried, and uh, and Tara Reid also both have like they're blonde. They have the large eyes. Like they've like they're related. They're related in That's this. the character I'd play in this movie. This wow. is the MCU of the early 2000s. Oh Josie God. and the Pussycats and Mean Girls. Yeah, the Riverdale Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Um, Before it got weirdly popular. And now the Riverdale Cinematic Universe is a thing again. Yeah, yeah it is. Tell, tell the Riverdale Television Universe. Shout out to Casey Cott. Love you, buddy. Um, <clears throat> so, so the movie, while we do uh, appreciate Josie... Also, I mean, none of us will be recommending Riverdale for recommendations. I've seen the first season. Oh, I have not seen Riverdale. No, I've heard it's really good. I, I, like, I just I haven't seen it. It's yeah. also not related to this. Yeah. yeah. It has nothing to do with this whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the slightest of slightest of slightest of humble brags. I, I went to college with a, a guy who's on the show and, and very much appreciated his work on it. I thought he was very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Really, really great guy. Um, but let's get into the beginning of this movie because, guys, this movie doesn't start with Josie and the Pussycats. It starts with another band. It starts with a boy band mm-hmm. called Dejour. Dejour. Do you know what Dejour means? 
Well, du jour family. is family. Du jour means family? Du jour, du jour means, means hygiene? Du jour means put on your seatbelts. Du jour uh, means, means put on your positions. <laughs> this is literally what I imagine. I feel like if they rebooted this, rebooted this movie in yeah, 2019, yeah. this would be played by the Fab Five. Like, oh, it would shit. be, but, oh. but instead, <clears throat> in 2001, yeah. this Who's boy... Who's in this, this mammoth of a group? Okay, so first off, you have Brecken Meyer. Uh, you have it. Donald Faison, three yes. time not another film podcast alum. Um, you have uh, Seth Green. Play Welcome to the Seth podcast. Green. Yeah, playing Seth Green. And you have um, Alexander Martin, who I was kind of unfamiliar with, although he looks a little like Matt Smith, speaking of that. of um, He's like the Kevin of the Backstreet Boys of du jour. Yeah. But they're, so they play this uh, very uh, white boy band that um, they sing a with song. With Donald Faison. With, with Donald <laughs> Faison. Very white boy band. Uh, <laughs> they sing a song called Backdoor Lover. Um, oh, all about butt stuff. Immediately, so in the first five minutes of this movie, we have a whole song about anal sex. Uh, That's great. It's fucking awesome. And it's a bop. It's yeah. so good. And well, du jour means butt sex. <laughs> so then, they're on the plane, and they're arguing, and Wyatt, played by Alan Cumming, the same year he did Spy Kids, is doing, yeah, is doing uh, pretty much like damage control for them. How are we ever expected to believe that a character named Wyatt <clears throat> is British? I have no clue. Um, but then they uh, they confront him because they're just like, hey, Wyatt, we heard something weird on one of our CDs. Can you tell us what it is? And you don't hear what's on the CD. You just see his face react to it. And he says, I'll take care of it. And then immediately goes into the cockpit with the pilot, they strap on fucking parachutes and they jump out of the plane so that it crashes and kills du jour. That's the cold open. That is the cold open for this PG-13 comedy. And I was in. I was so in. I was... I also appreciated... I did appreciate the stupid joke of when he, he calls in like, hey, we're going to kill this band on this airplane. He calls them in and the message he says is, we're going to take the Chevy to the levee. That's just fucking amazing. Straight to the levee. It's like... All he talks is music references, essentially. Well, it's the day the music dies. It's the day the music dies. And, like, honestly, the way Alan Cumming methodically puts on that parachute, like, he's done it a fucking thousand times. Because the plot reveals he has. He has killed so many bands. Um, And then we immediately cut to Riverdale, where Josie and the Pussycats are playing... Um, the best song in the movie. Yeah. Yes. Three words. It's yeah. awesome. It's Three. a fucking great song. We'll be listening to it in the car today. Yes. Um, it's it's great. It's so much fun. I like. I was trying to look up like who did a lot of the music for this movie. Yeah. Because I really liked it a lot. Uh, I couldn't find yeah. a ton of cool. stuff. I know the music was written by um, uh, Kay Hanley. Who is the singer of uh, Letters to Cleo? If you guys remember that band, vaguely, yeah. like yeah, a, very, a vaguely like. I know they existed. Yeah, they they were like a VH1 <laughs> you ought to know artist. Yeah, well, and but, I ought to know. But about that music, Ian, you, you brought this up last night while we were watching it. One of the things that I really, really hate as as a musician um, when I watch movies is oh, sure. is, is watching bands that clearly aren't playing their instruments because either their hands aren't strumming along in the same rhythm as the song. Or like specifically with drummers, when they're either hitting cymbals <clears throat> and you see them move and it's clearly hitting a, a snare, or like something is clearly off with the editing and they're like, no one really cares enough about the music, even if it's a movie about music. Yeah. So in this band, every song, 
they're strumming along at the right time, the instruments are correct, the beats are correct, like, because you said all the actresses learned how to play their instruments for this movie. Yeah, they all went to a two-week music camp to Only learn. Only two weeks? That's the thing. Well, that, well, and you can kind of tell it's like they, they know how to fake it enough to Tara, make it work. Tara Reid's doing a pretty good job. Tara Reid was doing a pretty good job. You can, that's jobs. one of the things that I thought was a redeeming part of her character is like, yeah, she's an idiot, but she's really good at the yeah, drama. Yeah, but, yeah, you, but you, you could also... Fa- you, it's hard to fake the 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 rhythms themselves because so I'm like watching the sticks fall and that's... They're hitting at the right time. They're, they absolutely are. I think it's just when you get to like any sort of like fast fills or yeah. anything really like should. that... Yeah, it's edited, like, this is, like, Bohemian Rhapsody edited. So it's, like, it's cutting constantly. Um, so you you kind of just get to watch them posing with the guitar. But there are a couple times where, like, Rachel Lee Cook, like, emphasizes something by strumming a chord. And you can tell from the way her fingers are situated on the on the neck of the guitar mm-hmm. that, like, she is actually playing, like, that chord. Or yeah. she... She like, knows, she knows what she's man. doing. She is a, she's a good... She has that front-person energy yeah. of, like, a, of a band in... If if you, our wonderful listeners, weren't fans of the pop punk scene in the early 2000s, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, you missed um, out on a great time to be in music. <laughs> because there's no modern analog, funny enough we talk about that now, there's no modern analog to this type of band, I feel. No. No. You have like a three-piece a three piece women-led a three piece. pop punk band? No. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's either like, <clears throat> it's, it's full-on pop. Ally and AJ style kind of stuff. Yeah, or it's like... Who have a new EP. Um, who are, uh, um, or you have like Little Mix, you know, I feel like it's the classes that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Or you'll get like a singer songwriter that goes into like some, some Rocky stuff occasionally. Yeah. But usually it's like a female led male band. Yeah. Yeah. Like Paramore. Or like, yeah. It's like a Paramore. I think Paramore is probably one of the closest we have. Yeah. I mean, that would be interesting in the re- in the modern reboot of this where Haley yeah. Williams does all the music for it. Haley like, Williams plays Josie. Yeah. Or like Dresden Dolls type thing. Dresden Dolls. Yeah. A little, that, I mean, I'd be more into that. That's fucking creepy and weird and fun. Love that shit. Um, but yeah, so they get picked up like almost immediately because they're like, we got to go do something. Because mm-hmm. um, they're playing bowling alleys for $20. Yeah. Um, which we can all sympathize with. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no one's paying attention to the music. As, God, as 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 people in different in the arts who have also dabbled in other arts, there's nothing like doing a fucking killer show and you look out and no one cares. Dude, no I, one in cares. high God. school I was a musical theater person. I was a musical theater major in <coughs> high school, and um, they would regularly because we were an art school um, for different fundraisers and stuff in the area and like luncheons. They would just have uh, people from the musical theater department go like as entertainment for like luncheons oh. and go sing musical theater songs like with karaoke tracks oh. on like a little stage in the corner. And I I would say at one point I was doing one like one of those every one or two weeks and like doing like like musical theater songs and like no one could give a fuck. That it is so sad. Truly, the worst thing in the world. That like, is tragic. That made me more able to weather like school performances. Yeah. Like now we do we do Shakespeare for kids, and like now I'm just sort of like okay, I feel like this can't really bother me because I have weathered any all different types of indifference yeah. of just people being served their food while being like I don't really give a fuck. There's someone in the corner that's fucking singing a, a 
a, sopr- a classical soprano song, I couldn't give two shits. Yeah. Someone singing My Fair Lady in the Corner. Yeah, but I also... There's always I could have danced on I mean, that. I also think, like, I react that way when someone starts singing on the red line. As you fucking should! <laughs> it's weird. No one wants it. No one asked for this. No one wants it. Pretty much only the event planner wanted that. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. Oh, yay, I get to hear my Rogers and Hammerstein again while I so, eat my clam chowder. So they're doing this terrible bowling alley gig. Um, well, yeah, so they go to a music store because they're like, we got to get ourselves out there and get noticed. We're going to get a record deal tonight if we go and busk on the side of the road. Yes, and Alan Cumming is there because the plane went down <laughs> in Riverdale. The plane went down 40 miles east of Riverdale. Yeah. So he, he has he, to he's, find an act. He's got to find a new band. Today. In Riverdale, because he can't leave Riverdale to find an act, I guess. Um, well, Operation Big Concert's right around the corner. Um, yeah. So yeah. they decide they're going to play a little concert, like a, an unplugged concert on the street in front of the record store. Weird plan. Um, but then they get kicked out. They have to, like, run from the cops that got called on them. And then Alan Cumming almost hits them with his car. Dope. And basically just sees that they have instruments in their hands and they're hot women. And is like, sign you. While someone's walking behind them with a sign that says number one band in the world. Yep. And he's immediately is like, I'm going to sign you. And he doesn't take to the camera. Like, they stay straight up. Get in a strange man's car who's like, I'll give you a record deal. The cra- the other crazy part about this scene is before Alan Cumming is even in his car, he's in a, a CD store. Remember those? And yeah. he goes to like a DJ booth in the center of the store and is like, this is DuJour's new single. I'm from the record label. He, he did put out a business card. <laughs> yeah. Which in, I think in 2001 was basically like a social security card. He was like, I'm from Mega Records. I used to manage DuJour before they tragically died an hour ago. Would you mind <laughs> playing single. this single that is on a burned CD written on with Sharpie? And uh, it's definitely not anything crazy and weird. And the guys are you like... You definitely shouldn't listen to it first. Yeah. Um, and then Scooter, the fucker behind the... the, yeah. the, the, the it's just like, yeah, sure, I'll play it. And then he's like, hey, guys, guess what? We got DeJour's newest song. The always great, always going to be remembered. Never forget DeJour. <laughs> oh, which reminds me of one of the best jokes in this movie. That Sorry, to, to backtrack a second. Please. After DeJour died, they have this, this broadcast, and it says... Oh, yes. The MTV News broadcast. The MTV News broadcast about them going down, they say... Um, a statement isn't available, but we do have a commemorative CD of their greatest hits you can order. Yeah, right it's now. like no statement has been delivered yet, but we have re-released all of their albums on a, Guys, on a collector's box set. How so are we genius. forgetting the best joke of that sequence, which is they put up their photo and then they have the year, like the years that they've been alive, and it's just 2000, 2000 to 2001. 2001. Amazing. And so while smarter than this movie needs to be, exactly. And while the uh, Alan Cumming is playing this music for the entire. Um, like Virgin uh, Record Store that all the virgins in, in the record store. All the virgins, the record. All the virgins of Virgin Records. Um, they are hearing this and immediately uh, are like, just you know, oh, orange is the new pink. Oh, we got to go get Adidas. Adidas are great. I got to get like a, my favorite one is when the, the guy goes, I want to pick up a six pack of Zima, and his friend goes, but you don't drink. Goes, I know, but I kind of want to start yeah. <laughs> with that level of enthusiasm. Yeah. It's just like, and so you can kind of see that, like, whenever people hear pop music, they start to want to buy shit. Mm-hmm. And that's our first hint to the yeah. larger plan that Josie and the Pussycats are now a part yeah. of. So, so now the so Alan Cumming gets them. And do we go say that he literally holds up like a blank like, CD? A blank CD case to see what they would look like on the front of his CD. And he's like, 
Yeah, they're hot enough. Great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I also, get... there's a woman in the record store that is like, I'm better than this. I didn't like it. And he literally has her thrown into a van. And <laughs> the goth away. girl. Smells like teen spirit. <laughs> he literally has her taken away and presumably killed. Um, uh, so, yes. Which just seems unnecessary. Um, <laughs> but the goth is probably like, I'm being killed. I'm living. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she shows up later in the movie as like, one, she? She like one of the conformed girls at like oh. a party. Yeah. And then, so they are jetted away to uh, the city. Um, whatever. It probably along with along with their manager, who's played by not another film podcast alum now, Paulo Constanzo. What else was he in? He was one of uh, Duncan's friends in My Date with the President's Daughter. Damn. He's also in Road Trip and a bunch of other I'm movies. Of, and he's, in a, he's, he's the brother of the main doctor in Royal Pains yes. for any of my USA Network gotcha. fans. I was just thrown off by how much he it looked like a halfway split from like the nose down of my, uh, my, my one-time roommate. And then from like... Half face up, he looked exactly like this character on The Magicians that also has like hair that defies gravity. Yeah, he's a little, a little like pre Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet. Yeah, man, if you can find it, look to the Western sky. Yeah, Um, and he plays he plays Alex, uh, their manager, who is uh, kind of your stereotypical bad manager because he's like twenty two years old and has no idea what the fuck. Completely unnecessary character. Yeah, he's and then his sister Alexandra. Unnecessary character. If you remember from the TV show, she was always the super negative one with kind of the skunk hair. Yeah. Uh, and she's played by Missy Pyle. And they're totally not fucking guys. Who is such they're definitely, I had to clarify, they're brother and sister and not boyfriend and girlfriend. Maybe they're stepbrother and sister. Oh no! I've done that Google search. I get it. Yeah, Sponsored that, by Pornhub. That um. does something for somebody. Oh, Josie and the Pussycats porn. Like, I bet that exists. Oh, God. Oh, that are you? I think it's a, <laughs> what are you talking about? It might be a category. Yeah. Um, Missy Pyle is great in this. She's the one who at one point, literally, someone asked. When they're on the plane, when they're on the plane on the way to fame uh, mm-hmm. and fortune, no. somebody asks, <laughs> why are you even here? And she just says, I was in the comic book. And it just, again, breaks the world, and we all have to go, wait, are we in a movie right now? What what the fuck is real? It's it's yep. a brilliant line, and that, that, stayed, that stayed in. Yeah, it yeah. stayed in. That made it. I was in the comic book. So then they make it to recording their first album. They're in the studio. They also, she a also great, bring, huge makeover. She also brings along her not-boyfriend. Oh, yeah, Alan M. She just brings him. He's just in the movie. Do we have to say much about him? He's yeah. like he's like a Beck stand in. This is a great movie and he's the worst part of it. It's just he's just Why is he here? His character's just boring, really, yeah. is what it is. I don't blame the actor. I just think it's no. it is an underwritten role <coughs> yep. that is that doesn't serve the movie a ton. And he just it, exists to not understand that Rachel Lee Cook is hot for 90% of the movie. Frankly, they needed more men in the writing room, I think is what the problem was. You know, a good point. There was yeah. a woman in there, and she didn't know how to... <laughs> the pro- yeah. <laughs> One of the problems I also see is, like, in a movie that is so much about ah, music, that features, that features so much good music, like, good original music, Alan M., who's, like, trying to be an Ed Sheeran-esque singer-songwriter... <laughs> mm-hmm. Doesn't we never see him sing a good song? Yeah, no, no. he's bad. So there's no he's reason for bad. me to think like you're not worthy of Josie. Yeah, like you, like you don't deserve to be. You can't with someone date a musician that's not as good as you are. Like, no, no, yeah, what gonna, does she have to believe in? He's gonna be writing her coattails, yeah. their entire relationship, <laughs> and it's gonna be bullshit. But she brings him along. Oh, and also before they even record anything, like there's already a whole marketing campaign. They have billboards. They like, already are booked in an arena show. Yeah, before they've recorded a song. Yeah, because people automatically love them because of subliminal messaging. And they're like, oh, isn't this weird? And every time, there's a few times in this this movie where 
Val and Josie especially go like, wait, is this weird? And you see Alan coming to see them and bring up his phone like he's going to order a fucking hit. Mm-hmm. And then they go, no, this is great. And he's like, oh, good, good, right, right. It's you, great. You don't have to die now. And the music cues <laughs> behind all of this are like like literal dun-dun-duns. Yeah. Like, like, it's not a subtle film. No, it's so on the nose and funny. Um, and then we get introduced to the real mastermind behind all of this, which is the character of Fiona, who's the head of the record label, Played by the treasure known as Parker Posey. Honestly, bow down. She is so fucking good in everything she's in. Or at least, you know what? Even if she's not good, she's always one of the most watchable, fun parts of any project she's in. I I love Parker Posey. Given what we watched a couple nights before, and I came in for the end of it, I feel like she's giving Madeline Kahn clue energy in this movie. I kept thinking of Mugatu in Zoolander, which also came out that year. I was just like, man, it's crazy that that we got Mugatu and Fiona in the same year, and one of them is a cultural (laughs) touchstone, and the other one's been lost to the Prince of Persia Sand of time, but like I was this, she in that? No, it's uh, I was just using it as a reference point. No, it's good, but like I think that's essentially <laughs> about that movie. Like, wait, was her posing in that? Because um, if she is, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, but it's just there's it's such an over the top villain. Mm-hmm. Like literally has like a maniacal laugh off with Alan coming at one point. A mumbly laugh off in in her costume. Her costume designer is a fucking genius. Oh my god. Yeah. She's got all these reeds coming out of her dress. It's incredible. So she is running a she's like, so I bet you were wondering as she takes all these like foreign leaders through like the Jurassic Park uh, like dino DNA sequence mm-hmm. and explains what's actually happening in the movie. It's like, I bet you think that this is just a, a record studio, but it's actually not. <laughs> this is where we come up with all of what's going to be the new fads, the new phrases, the new bands to like, the new movies to like, the politicians that we should endorse. And we put all of that under every pop song that we record here and record it with Mr. Movie Phone's voice. And it's literally just like a voice underneath music that's just like, you should buy Coca-Cola. Coke is the new Pepsi. Popeye's chicken is fucking awesome. Everybody should go get Popeye's. Join the army. Like, it's... Yeah. It's awesome. It's so on the nose and over the top and silly. And this is all told via infomercial from Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy, who is great because at one point he says like this isn't is like this isn't evil. It's capitalism, and it's the most kick-ass American thing we can do. Which is amazing, knowing that Eugene Levy's Canadian. Yes, and it's just like you're gonna hire and this. And also knowing the capitalist hellscape that we live in now. Yeah. <laughs> How's that? Eugene Levy is playing Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy. He's literally yeah. playing Eugene Levy, the actor. Yeah, it's like us actors are in on the fact that we subliminally uh, yeah. fuck with audiences to try and get them to buy shit. And in this presentation, to all these foreign governments to I'm assuming essentially like sell the technology or something to them or like sure. bring them in on it. Sure. Um, <laughs> we are led to believe this company has been doing this since like Elvis and the like has been doing this for decades. And whenever a musician finds out about it, they get killed. So it's like Elvis died, not actually like on the toilet from a drug overdose, but they because, because he found out that his music was being used to sell shit. Yep. Yep. It's, it's so and every, silly. Every behind the music Duck is just a different story covering up those murders. Yeah, they're all cover-up stories. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I guys, do we think Alan Cumming shot Kurt Cobain in the face? Yes. Yes, one hundred percent. Kurt Cobain, there's no way he would have conformed. Yeah, Alan Cumming is a uh, an ageless being that has always been there. Yeah. yeah, it's not a like, oh my god, what? How did this happen? Reveal like you you can you can put it together as it's going on relatively, but the way it's presented is 
bonkers and mm-hmm. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love so the then, of it. Yeah, so then they're they're recording all of their, you know, first few singles, and they're mixing it on this giant mega sound mixer that puts all the subliminal messaging in. And <clears throat> pretty much, like, now all of their music is selling shit to yeah. the masses. Because there's a montage. there's a montage. At this point, Val and Mel are not getting a lot of attention because everybody's all about Josie. So, well, it's Josie and the Pussycats. It's not yeah, Val like, and the Pussycats. Her face is on the Coke can. Her face is on the magazine. Her face is on the blimp. So Alan Cumming <coughs> is like, great. Well, we know these other two Pussycats are, are standing in the way. They're, they're too suspicious. They're standing in the way of our of proceeding as successfully as we can. So they book them on a, a showing of TRL, a recording of TRL, oh my fucking God. with Carson Daly and Ari Spears playing an impersonator who's doing Carson Daly. Um, it, it, it's confusing. No, wait, uh, why don't you explain it? Well, they first show up with, who is, who's the other guy? Ari Spears from Mad TV. Okay, Ari Spears shows up and he introduces himself as Carson Daly. Yeah. And there's a whole extended bit about how he's not Carson Daly. Why would we believe he's Carson Daly? Leading the audience to believe, oh, this is the, like, fake out. Because also, they're surrounded by cardboard cutouts of TRL. It's like this like huge fake, fake cameras. Yeah, and he and they were led to believe he's also fake. And then Carson Daly actually walks out, and that's the double fake. Who was dating Tara Reid at the time. Because oh, that was, he? like, the joke was, like, oh, I could totally see us dating. Was, like, oh, it's oh, cute. fine. You know, back when you gave a shit about who dated who in celebrity culture. Yeah, but they that's cute. Yeah. But yeah, but then they show up and <coughs> Carson Daly and I keep forgetting Aries Spears. Aries Spears reveal that they have been hired to kill to Mel and Mel with, with baseball bats. He's like, yeah. It's like, no, it's like, yeah, welcome to TRL. It's a shame that we have to kill you. Which is like, that's the PG 13 of this movie coming out yeah. hardcore. The Scooby Doo can never do this shit. Does he have to go to a show after this? I don't understand. This, well, he gets, this is still the night that TRL... No, he does, because afterwards they show him on TRL, and he's got a cast on. Oh, Because the girls fight right. back. Um, right. And they, they kick their ass. Yeah, they don't end up dying. Yeah. Um, and all, all the while that's happening, we cut back to Josie, who's listening to their new single that Ellen Cumming gives her to check out, which has been put um, subliminal messages in it about, like, uh, Val and Melody are useless. You're the star. Leave them behind. So she... Turns into a royal bitch. Yeah, just she, until her CD <clears throat> player breaks. Yeah, this the other crazy thing about this scene is she's walking with her disc man horizontal <laughs> or uh, vertically, and that's not that that's a guarantee to make your CD she's skip. She's holding it in yep. her hand and she's swinging her arms as she walks. Which is another crazy thing because it's like, man, we don't even have not like we barely even have headphones with wires anymore, and yeah. and whatever we're listening to is so small it's in our fucking pockets. Yeah. This isn't also, a Zune. She, yeah. Also, she's listening to it in the bath, first of all. And then she gets out of the bath and then redoes her hair and makeup to have a yeah. confrontation. Also, she's not seeing She's got to look stunning. When she's being mean to her friends, she actually... Exactly. I don't understand the rules. She's not listening to it as she's being mean to them. Yeah, but so I think... So what is the range of this? Maybe like a 30 mind. second lag afterwards. Yeah, I wonder if it is kind of almost like a drug because it's like the more you listen to it, the more you want to listen to it. So then you get you get that feedback, you get that reinforcement Maybe. because... When they turn off the music after they listen to it for like 20 seconds and they're like, oh my god, this is jerking, I totally need like a Big Mac right now, whatever. Like, and then they turn the music off and they're like, oh, 
Oh, never mind. Also, do they update the subliminal messaging as time goes on? Like, if you listen to Elvis songs, do you suddenly want things that only existed at that time? <laughs> you would listen to Elvis songs like, segregation's a good idea! Like, <laughs> so, oh my god, Elvis, what are you saying? I, I need to go to the malt shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I gotta take my 13-year-old cousin down to the down to lookout point. <laughs> Why am I not married? I'm 15! Oh my god, one day the internet's gonna take over my life. <laughs> uh, but that's, yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah. Um... And then we, she, her CD breaks, her Walkman breaks, and she hears the subliminal messaging, and she's like, oh, shit. And while this is happening, Parker Posey is getting them ready for something called Operation Big Concert. Yeah. Where there's an arena concert of Josie and the Pussycats where she's... We're also skimming over so much stuff, because there's also that party... Oh, yeah, where they meet Parker Posey? Where they meet Parker Posey in one of the most bizarre scenes of of, of movies that I... Ever seen. Parker, can you make every choice possible with these four lines? Yeah. Like, yes. you see, come into her room and it's just her, like, <coughs> asking how much Rachel Lee Cook weighs and then being like, I weigh three pounds less. And then, like, having a plate of really bad snack foods and then just offering it to them and then taking a single, like, a one Pringle. Pringle. One Pringle. Putting it on a plate and then, like, bringing it up to her mouth like she's going to eat it and going, oh. I'm such a pig, um, which is just such great satire. It's so it funny. Is. She's also like, like is about to, she like cranes her neck and she's about <laughs> to eat it. Like she's like testing a dangerous molecule. It's she is kind of like a bird person. It's she's a so weirdo. It's funny. It's amazing. Also, there's no way Rachel Lee Cook is 118 pounds. She's like 105 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, my left she's, foot. She's 118 pounds. She's 18 pounds. She is four feet tall. There's no yeah, fucking way. This is true. But it's it is. It is a great moment that lets Parker Posey go absolutely fucking nuts and leads to that um, evil, evil villain laugh off oh, with her and Alan coming that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, it because once they leave, great. Once the pussycats leave, she's she's the one who's like, I don't like Val or Mel. Mm-hmm. Get them out of here. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Josie's all the. I don't only trust one. those pussycats. Yeah, yeah. the only also, one we need. Also, this is the point in the movie where we we we, we talked about the fact that uh, early two thousands uh, fashion. Did nothing for anyone's bodies that had curves. No, it sucks, man. Because it's like, yeah, Rachel Lee Cook and if you're not a stick, you're fucked. Rachel Lee Cook and Tara Reid, both very, very skinny women, uh, beautiful. All three of them beautiful, but are wearing these low-rise jeans or low-rise like leather pants and crop tops. And Tara Reid seems to be allergic to backs of shirts. Yeah, she has like no backs on any shirt. She's constantly wearing bandanas. Literally never. Ever in in the movie does she wear uh, a shirt with a back on it? Yeah, no. and Rosario Dawson is like resigned to wearing like dresses. She doesn't even have a crop top. Like she's wearing like a long skirt and then a sh- one of the, oh god one of those shirts that like you wear a long. <clears throat> it's like uh, it's like a peasant top where um, it, like it's form fitting, but it comes right below your hips. And then it like it does that thing at the top where it has like the chain around your neck like a necklace, <laughs> and then it's a strapless shirt. Oh yeah, which is looks good on even not skinny people. It's a shitty look. It's a bad yeah. look. It's a bad look, and you've got um, Rosario Dawson, and it's like learn how to fucking dress her. Yeah, you can't keep her boobs up like that. As someone who has boobs, you can't do it. Can't do like, it. You can't do it. Um, I mean, can I'll, I, can I, I, I just, please. Yeah, I just want to sidebar really quickly because um, I actually think that this movie does something really well. Um, as much as we complain about um, the the ways that it dresses Rosario Dawson as opposed to them, I actually feel like this movie is not male gazy at all. Um, I feel like they are very attractive. interesting. They are very attractive. 
and they like obviously men can enjoy it but um i feel like there's a difference between male gaze and female gaze in terms of like women dressed attractively and i mm-hmm. feel like this movie actually i would really like to recognize as a positive example of i feel like this movie was directed towards the female gaze um because i feel like all of them are they, there's a thing that's been circulating online of like um, the different Harley Quinn outfits from Suicide Squad to um, the set photos of the Birds of Prey. Of Birds mm-hmm. of Prey. <clears throat> and how she's just slightly dressed differently. She's still showing the same amount of skin and everything, but like there's a difference in between like she's dressing for herself. I think women can dress attractively and women can dress in clothes that show off their bodies. Um, but it really comes down to it looks like all of these girls during most of the movie, dress themselves. They yeah. dress ways that Do you they think it's a lot of Deborah Kaplan influence there? <laughs> yeah, and I feel like there are... And I never felt like there were any shots that were, like, panning up and down their bodies um, at any point. There was not, like, a music video, and even then, it seemed like it was... The, the shots were to show that they were badasses rather than to show, like, they were super sexualized. Yeah, I, I also wonder if, if there is any... And I'm not saying this is, like, in a blanket umbrella excuse... Um, but if it does ever come off male gazy, that you do have the like the umbrella of safety of it's satire. It's supposed to be like deliberately. Yeah, but this movie but doesn't even do that. I, yeah, I agree. But I think and like there are. They had an easy <clears throat> out, but they didn't take it, and I actually really want to applaud them for that because yeah, I mean like Tara Reid's never wearing backs to her shirts, but also she seems like the type of person that would really enjoy dressing like that. Like yeah. your women are allowed to dress with like showing their bodies off, and it, it always it just never felt like they were doing it. Because that, like, it never had a line of Alan Cumming being like, this is the way you dress to sell records. It never felt like it was going into that territory of satire Mm -hmm. uh, purposefully. It seems like because this movie was marketed towards women, I think as they were making it, they were making a movie for women. That they were like, we want to, like, dress them the way that I think girls want to dress themselves. And that, and so that's why they're, I think that's why they're covered in glitter at all times. I think that's why their hair is so colorful. And like, because then even the one that when Tara Reid has those weird spirals in her hair, it's like, that's the way that like tween girls wanted to do their hair. Yep. It's a wish fulfillment for tween girls, this movie. And I think that that's, that's something to be applauded. I think when, and when Rachel Lee Cook is wearing that backless dress and there's the whole scene with her and her love interest where he's fixing it, it's never like a sleazy pan down her backless dress. It's, yeah. oh, it's emphasizing that, he is the one that's helping her like do the dress and that she really loves that he's nearby her. Yeah. For um, for all the shit we give Alan M in this movie for being kind of a wet blanket of a character, that scene I actually felt He was super respectful. He was very respectful. It was also one of the most honest scenes as like thinking back to being like a young boy at that time mm-hmm. of like pretty girl, like help me put on my dress is like mm-hmm. the the reverence he kind of gave her body yeah. and the like I'm so nervous but oh my god she's so beautiful like mm-hmm. that was that was a really <clears throat> good way to shoot and yeah. act this kind of indescribable thing yeah and then like the the backless dress has like a chain that goes down the back and so he's fixing that and then there's just like a shot of his like fingers straightening it out so he's like kind of going up her body but not touching her yeah, yeah. and there's something that's like actually really sexy about that yeah in, like an early like in my early 20s would have just been like ooh flutters yeah um, I think when Keanu Reeves like takes pictures with women and he just hover hands yeah <coughs> like it's really it's really great um but then also uh there's one other scene that I think is, did this really well that with that that made me do the opposite of like siren noises in my head like oh we're in good hands um was the scene when Tara Reid is in the shower yes and she is very like the, the joke is not that she's in the shower and she's super hot the joke is like she's got this amazing bit of, like she's she's like got the like she's the got loofah. a loofah she's got the loofah 
loofah that's a McDonald's loofah because everything is product placement in this movie. And she's singing, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. And then she goes to clap her hands and then she drops the loofah. And she goes, oh, oops. Oh, and then she goes down and grabs it. And you never see her go, like, you never see any more of her body than the, the part that's in the frame, which is completely shoulders up. Nope. And, like, her hair is, like, believably wet yep. and kind of, like, gross and shampoo-y. And then she just does it, like, three they fucking times. They roll three and it's the and funniest And when she's getting out of the shower, she's immediately in a towel. Yeah, and there's and but while this is happening plot wise, well that is a great bit and I do love that bit. Yeah. Um, so just like good job movie. <clears throat> I really actually quite enjoyed that and mm-hmm. I I felt safe. I felt like I was in in good hands. Yeah, and they, they State Farm was there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a mysterious there are mysterious figures that are leaving messages for the pussycat dolls mm-hmm. that are saying like beware of the music. Mm-hmm. Who I guess we should just jump yeah, cut to the end of the movie. We're basically there. We're basically there to Operation Big Concert. Where they show up, Val and Mel are pretty much going to be held hostage in this car by Fiona, by yeah. Parker Posey. During this, during this concert where that is also being simultaneously webcast all across the country and the world. And everyone has these like Bluetooth Josie headphones that they have to wear Which in order to hear are, it. Which were made. Which were made, yes. Not for Josie and the Pussycats. They are Ariana Grande headphones. Which is yes. why I don't trust Ariana it Grande. Is, it looks exactly the fucking same. Like, that blew my mind. And I was like, guys... Let me show you this picture. She's trying to run Operation <coughs> Big Concert. Dude, yeah. Ariana Grande is kind of a perfect analog for, like, modern day what this would be. I think so. <coughs> but also, they, these specific headphones are, like, hooked right into the, to the movie phone guy mm-hmm. so that they can basically put the subliminal messaging on a whole new level. That's the that's the grand evil plot. Yeah, mm-hmm. that they can now start mind-controlling millions of people. Like, they say at one point, we've already sold half a million of the Josie ears. Yep. And we've got a million more on back order. And as like they that. say in the movie, do you ever think it's weird that this happened in a week? <laughs> <laughs> Alan, <laughs> fucking, Alan going whips out his phone. No. All right, then. All right. There's okay. an extended bit where she's like, oh, I was supposed to meet Alan M., and then he's like, oh no, he left a message for you that he can't do it. And then he immediately is like, one second. And then goes over and talks into his phone. And then she's like, where'd you go on that phone call? He's like, nothing. He's like, did he mention this? And he's like, one second. He goes over and leaves another message. Yeah, he left an additional message saying that. So he's, good. He's a great, it's a great comedic performance. It's so funny. He's, he's all over the place and it is pretty fucking great. So we're at the big concert. Big concert. They're going to die. Yeah, they're pretty much, she's saying, Fiona's saying, if Josie, if you don't go perform, we're going to blow up this car with Val and Mel, and we're going to play it off as like, oh, on their way to the concert, they died in a car accident. Yep. Um, So they end up having a big battle where they're fighting. There's a deus ex machina. Yeah. Does that happen before the battle? That's what distracts her, isn't it? Because she's going to go on stage. Yeah. And then she gets distracted. By du jour. Who are alive. And in full body cast so that those actors didn't have to show up. Except for the one that is the least famous. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so they have this big battle. Um, they get him up. They, uh, Josie gets oh, out of the oh, car. Because, wait, oh, wait, one of the best fucking lines is it? I thought you died in the plane crash. No, we landed the plane just fine. It just happened to be in the parking lot of a Metallica concert. And she's like, well, you seem fine. And then it like the lights come up on everyone else in full body cast. He's like, luckily, I knew all of the lyrics to Enter Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so, so good. Big battle ensues, um, and which Tara pa- Reed's a really good fighter. Yeah, she I knows kung fu. Yep, she, I appreciated that joke. Yep, and culminates in Josie tricking Fiona into hitting the the machine with Mr. Movie Phone with her guitar, which causes all the headphones to kind of go crazy with static. The subliminal messaging is destroyed. People take off their ears, like yep. everybody, because they can't hear the sharp noise. And then ears. there's the big twist. 
Oh, yeah, that uh, oh, Fiona. Fiona is not Fiona. Well, also, Fiona has been using this entire thing, the subliminal messaging in this, is just for everyone to think that Fiona's the coolest person yeah. on the planet. Fiona's so cool. That's you want to be her friend. That's the big plan, is that Fiona wants to be cool. And so you find out that she actually has, like, a lisp, and she's not really Fiona. Her name is Lisa, and she was just this unpopular girl mm -hmm. that had this this nefarious scheme to get popular. And so she's and to at stop. this point, the movie walks a very fine yeah. line. This is where I was kind of worried because I knew where it was going to go, and I was like, yeah, like I don't know if this is. We don't want to make fun of people with speech impediments, please. Yeah, we don't want to make fun of people with speech impediments, but we also then Alan Cumming <laughs> is like, wait a minute, Lithping Letha. From high, from whatever high school, and she's like, "How do you know me?" And he's like, "It's me, Wally, white ass Wally." Yep. And she, you find an out, albino. <laughs> he's an albino kid, so he like rips off a wig and he wipes off makeup. You find out he's albino, and now they're together. And he's not British. He's not British. He's American. And she takes out her flipper that she has, and shows like her. She has a lisp, but also like the worst like smoker redneck teeth. Yeah, like um. It's just like it walks this fine line of like, are we saying that we are we making fun of people that are that are albino yeah. and, and a resounding? No, we're not. Yeah, it's a relief. At one point, because at one point, literally, it spells out. It's like, well, I think we all know what this means. And Missy Pyle goes, "What? That freaks should be with other freaks?" Yeah, and her brother's like, "No, is that it? all that matters is who we are on the inside. We don't need all this stuff." And it's like, "Oh, cool, 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 cool." Yeah, and so it's like we're gonna spell this out very much for you guys that this is actually what we're saying. But also, if we can get a couple jokes about lisping in, we're gonna yep. get a couple jokes. Yeah, about it's lisping. not perfect execution. No, but for 2001, no. it's platinum. It's <laughs> trying. It's trying. For 2001, this is pretty woke. Um, it's also so just like I applaud it for being such a like oh that was the conflict oh okay also, <laughs> like, white people problems you have a list yeah oh boy so then they go on they perform she's like I'm gonna go perform this song for Alan M uh, and she they do their concert they sing one song they do one song she gets she gets everyone to take off the ears um, and they sing come around which is a dope song so good yeah, also Alan M says he loves her yeah, while he's Alan, crowd surfing. Yeah, there's no way they can hear each yeah. other. No way how they can hear but each other. Also, there's the whole thing where he. Oh, sorry. No, I was like, but uh, to go back to our point about them playing the instruments, <laughs> while they're while Josie is talking to him, yeah, the song is still playing, and there's no guitar track or vocals. It's just bass and drums, which is an amazing attention to detail for this. Yeah, movie. yeah Eric and I were both kind of like, that's so cool because Rosario Dawson and Tara Reid are both still playing their instruments, quote unquote. Yep. And in the background, you can see them still like you can see them still stuff. playing, and you can and it's like they're the chords are changing while they're changing yeah. while Rosario Dawson's changing stuff. It's like this is actually like a pretty good attention to detail. When it came to those shots where it's like, we're not editing a crazy amount. Mm -hmm. um, and then when Josie gets done with her Alan M conversation, she goes back and then the guitar kicks in and when she starts to strum again. Yeah. Um, there's also a little thing earlier in the movie where Alan M had a concert or a, a little gig at a, um, at a local bar that he, she had promised to go to and then he, like, she doesn't end up going to because of reasons. And where he plays a song and he's like, oh, this is for my friend who I was uh, hoping would be here, but I, uh, I guess not. It's called Wish You Felt the Same. Dude, Alan M has no business being in the music industry. <laughs> nope. It's called I Wish You Felt the Same. Like, 
Subtle. Can subtle. I say though, this is how I feel when people talk to me about their love of Ed Sheeran. I automatically think it's like this dude. It's like, so yeah, it's like this song is about this girl I loved in high school. It's called <laughs> Prom Queen in My Dreams. Like, it's like, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, get get a little bit more on the nose, my guy. Like, whatever. Oh, Ed Sheeran's so lovely. Is he? Like, yeah. I don't know. Eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm just not a fan of the music. Haters gonna hate. <clears throat> That's fair, man. I'm not in love with the shape of the music. But, but I am but, in love with... Every song in this movie, but yeah. the pussycats. Yeah. The movie, the movie ends <laughs> with you know big kiss, big song number, and Josie and the pussycats are friends again. And guess what? Even without the subliminal messaging, everybody fucking loves their music. Yeah. It does help though. Subliminal messaging got them the following in the first place. Yes. Exactly. But <laughs> it finally, got them to the point where they could play a concert for millions of people. Oh fuck! You know what we forgot to talk about entirely? What? How much this movie loves the fisheye lens. This oh, movie's like yeah. the fucking and favorite. Filters. Like yes. god damn it, there are so yep. many filters and fisheye lenses in this movie and it oh. is terrifying. Oh yeah, those girls that make fun of them back in Riverdale and then follow them to New York City <clears> and <throat> scream at their doorway yep. with a fish was eye. not a fan of that. No. Those women were not treated well. Yeah, yeah. And they were not treated well by other women. Yeah, no, it was like, it was definitely a mo- the, one, the one moment of the movie where I was like, oh, this is that thing where it's like, the pussycats are the cool girls. These girls are lame bitches. Uh, it's, one of my favorite things to do every once in a while is to go on YouTube and look at old footage of like people, uh, women in Beatles concerts, mm-hmm. and like that are literally trying to break down barriers and mm-hmm. kill people. Yes. And I'm like, I think it's, that's an inspiration. I think they're pretty on the nose. Yeah, but following them to their hotel room and also like having the the change from like you're the worst, Josie and the Pussycats, oh, yeah. to like legit just too much. They're brainwashed. Also, those women at the Beatles concerts are like at a concert. Like in, it's more like a hive mind <laughs> mentality. I feel like in that they legit stalk them to their hotel room. Yeah, it's one of my, another I, one of my favorite lines in this movie is like, "Why? It's not Josie and the Pussycats. It's just the Pussycats." Like we've actually uh, had studies that say that uh, bands that have "and" in the title sell twice as many records as bands that don't. What about the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Or the, and it's just okay, like, well, guess what? Hairs. If we're splitting hairs. Also, did I tell you when I lived in uh, Rochester, I went to this hotel um, that was by my house. Uh, One Direction was staying out there, and they found that out, and I saw girls being dropped off in vans hiding in bushes. Oh, God. Terrifying. It's like the episode of Atlanta where they go to the the Drake party. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like, literally what happened. And the girls are being, like, shuttled in. Yep. Um, So, just a couple facts. There's not a ton of trivia about this movie. Um, One that I found really, really funny is, in order to preserve the wholesome image of Josie and the Pussycatch, Archie Comics demanded there be a scene inserted into the movie that showed them brushing their teeth before bed. Okay. So there's one scene of them brushing sure. their teeth before bed That's to show fine. like they're guys, they're they're cool people, like they're good people, they're wholesome people. Like, Archie is like so be like so family friendly and like so all ages is like which is why Riverdale <laughs> now kind of blows my mind. Like the way it started as like the grocery store spinner rack for the kids that were too young yeah. or didn't want to do superheroes. Yeah. That's I mean that's what it is. Yeah. But there's it's also kind of hilarious that it's like I feel like today yeah, we've got Riverdale, we've got the new Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and stuff like that, but it still is a little, like, those those shows, like, they play on the nostalgia of the old property, but they've completely rebooted yes. the, mm-hmm. the tone of the comics, so now yep. they're dark and edgy and sexy, yep. whereas I feel like the draw of this was, genu- was genuinely, like, the people that were writing it were like, I used to read these comics and I like the wholesome vibe of the comics, because... Yeah. That's the one thing that, I don't think it's a negative with this movie, but like that Josie, Val, and Melody, for all intents and purposes, are the straight men 
in, yeah. a, in a crazy yeah. world. The comedy yeah. comes from the fact that like they're sane and the world around them is insane. Yeah. It's kind of like how you can tell that the people that make Marvel movies love Marvel comics. And then if anything's commented on in the movie, like it's done out of love. Whereas DC, it's done out of fuck these superheroes. Yeah, I guess we have come. to address the fact that they have powers or yeah. whatever. Whereas this, yeah. this movie is definitely... DC's embarrassed of, of their Yeah, superheroes. whereas these people clearly love Joseph and <clears throat> Pussycats. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's just like that, that fine line that I just... I think it's interesting because as much as I love the music in the movie and stuff like that, and I, you know, we both, we all sat here singing the praises of Tara Reid, Rosario Dawson, and Rachel Lee Cook. They are, I think, some of the least interesting characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, we sit here and we're talking about them, but really it's like the things that I remember and I love about this movie are Parker Posey and Alan Cumming right. and Missy yeah. Pyle. And, yep. like, those, the, that the weirdness and heightenedness of those characters, just because the Pussycats need to be the, like, the anchor in yep. the center. It's just an interesting thing that it's like, oh, we're not going to let our main characters be... The crazy ones in this crazy world. That takes us out. Now we'll get to it. Do we recommend Josie and the Pussycats in 2019? Lauren, as a resident women expert, our women's studies expert, (laughs) what what do you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Super fun. Awesome. I love it. Eric, what about you? Fuck yeah. It's great. Loved it. I still love this movie. This movie is a lot of fun. (coughs) It is more fun than it has any right to be. Yep. Yep. I wish um, I had this movie in my life when I was when I was a tween, so that I didn't make my mom watch the Brady Bunch movie forty thousand times. Very similar movie though. I know I need to rewatch it. That's that's going to be my next choice. Oh, spoilers! Mm. Uh, now, like we always do at this time, if there is a modern analog to Josie and the Pussycats, which I feel like there are so many to choose from, I'm excited to hear what your choices are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric, I'm going to go to you first. I think this has already been brought up on the podcast. Um, in our history, but we're getting to that point where that's just going to happen because we have so many episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. don't think it's been brought up, but I love oh, Scott really? Pilgrim. It's and one of my favorite one. movies. This is uh, 2010. 10. Um, so it's, it's a little... Wow, Jesus Christ. 2010, it came out uh, the year I graduated high school. Yeah, it's a little... It's a little um, older than we usually do here, but it's uh, it's a movie based on, based on a comic, oddly as well, um, but very... Music is used in a very similar way as in Scott Pilgrim is played by Michael Sarah. He's in a band and Sex Bob Sex Bob. It's very stylized and he has this girl he likes named Ramona Flowers and he has to defeat her seven evil exes. And basically if you like kind of the insanity of the world that Josie and the Pussycats plays, along with an actual boppin' awesome soundtrack yep. and people that are actually <clears throat> playing their instruments um, as they're going along, it's you're going to love it. You're yeah. going to love the tone. You're going to love the performances and just the wildness of it. Mm-hmm. It's one of one of my genuine favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I love Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim uh, vs. the World. Lauren, what about you? Um, I am going to go in the opposite direction. And instead of talking about the tone, I want to talk about the, the satire and the content of the movie and its comment on um, kind of corporate culture doing nefarious things to control what is above. Um, and I'm going to tiptoe around this because there's a lot of spoilers out there. And if you haven't seen the movie, you should definitely watch it cold. Um, but it has similar themes of, you know, certain people on a certain level being used to control people on another level. And I would like to recommend... Um, Winter's Bone. No, uh, Jordan Peele's Us. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, which has similar uh, Jesus. themes to that. This is awesome. <laughs> um, so if you have seen the movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But there are certain... 
uh, surface level and uh, deeper level uh, connections between Josie and the Pussycats and Jordan Peele's Us. Not as wow. much pop punk, but... Yeah, not as much, but uh, it is <laughs> I'd pretty kick-ass. I'd put five on it. it uh, <laughs> pretty kick-ass. I and, loved uh, Us. Yeah. Oh, man, what, what great movies. And I'm going to round this out with another one of my favorite movies. Um, I think uh, we hit the pinnacle. Unfortunately, jo- uh, Josie and the Pussycats did not hold the, the belt of... Best musical comedy satire for long because Walk Hard came out in 2007. Mm. Uh, and then Walk Hard has just uh, recently given the belt, in my humble opinion, to the movie I'm going to recommend, which is 2016's Pop Star Never Stop, oh, Never yeah. Stopping. Yeah. It yeah, is one of my that. favorite. It's a little on brand. It's a very, it is a very direct line from Josie and the Pussycats to Popstar. But again, it's another movie that was a huge financial flop that had a lot of cameos, a lot of big names. And I genuinely think is one of the smartest and funniest comedies to come out in maybe the last five years. It makes me laugh so hard to this day. I've probably seen that movie a dozen times now. And the music in that movie also fucking bops. It's um, so great. It's great. Guys, awesome. We did it. Anything we want to plug, Eric? Anything happening at Utini you want to let us know about? Uh, yeah. Uh, last couple weeks on the Living Force podcast, we got to talk to some Star Wars people that actually work there. What? Uh, yeah. So we got some narrators, got some authors, so go check that out. And I got my tickets to Star Wars Celebration, so I'm going to yeah! try to get a media pass to go to that. Congratulations. Thanks, man. It's been good. So check out over there for something with... Honestly, more pop punk going forward. Hell yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that mantle off. <laughs> Lauren, anything for you? No. No, just check out the Michigan Shakespeare Festival if you're here July 11th through August 18th. Uh, check us out, michiganshakespearefestival.com. You can also uh, find out any stuff about our podcast on Twitter at, at @filmanother, on Instagram at notanotherfilmpod, and uh, Facebook. We're also on that thing. And send us an email, notanotherfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what movies you want us to do. We are taking requests. Thank you very much for listening, folks. Rock on. You're going to get that porn